Brant Tillis, the Carolina Panthers' new executive vice president of football operations, has three key decisions to make ahead of free agency. What are those? We'll talk about them right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Fridays throughout the offseason I'll be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me but follow me first on Twitter to get your questions in for this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers today's episode Locked on Panthers is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started last week on Thursday morning the Carolina Panthers officially announced new head coach Dave Canales and new general manager slash president of football operations Dan Morgan as the new brain trust here in Carolina as the Panthers hope to move off of a historic 2-15 and season and into the future where the sustained success that David Tepper, the owner here in Carolina, promised the Carolina Panthers fan base after parting ways of Ron Rivera. That is the hope now that Canales and Morgan Friends from back in Seattle have teamed up together here in Carolina as the head coach and general manager. But it wasn't just those two who were introduced last week at Bank of America Stadium. The Carolina Panthers also introduced Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Brent Tillis, coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs. And Tillis is now going to enter into a role here in Carolina where he's going to control the team's salary cap and handle the team's contracts. Which leads me to today's show. The way I see it right now, Dave Canales... His energy, his personality, what he's going to be able to do, hopefully for Bryce Young and for this team, that, of course, is important. But right now in February, there's not too much Dave Canales can do. They're not practicing. There's no games happening anytime soon for the Carolina Panthers. His on-field work can't really be done. Now, building the relationships in that building when the players are there, that's great. But outside of that, it's not like he can do all that much. Dan Morgan, he's in a very important position right now with the scouting combine going on very soon, looking at some of the college scouting reports that his scouts have given him, looking at the upcoming draft. All that is important. But really, the main character to me as we're sitting here on February 5th is Brant Tillis in some of the decisions he has to make as far as the salary cap goes heading into the new league year in the middle of next month in March. I'm looking at him as a person who really can make the biggest impact immediately for the Carolina Panthers this offseason after his hiring, the hiring of Dave Canales, and the hiring of Dan Morgan. It's now time for Brant Tillis to get the cap right, to make some of these good decisions for the Carolina Panthers to be positioned to be a competitive team for the years to come. So starting off today, I want to talk about three different decisions that I think that Brant Tillis needs to make before the Carolina Panthers head into free agency, starting off with number one. The Carolina Panthers right now 
According to overthecap.com, have a projected $28.5 million of salary cap space. But all of that can go away very quickly if the Carolina Panthers have to franchise tag Brian Burns. The projected franchise tag for linebackers heading into 2024 is $21.9 million. All of that will hit on the salary cap for the Carolina Panthers, meaning they have about $6 million plus of salary cap space if they have to franchise Brian Burns, which pretty much makes that a non-starter for the Carolina Panthers. They need to find a way to negotiate a deal. Burns is a free agent. As we all know, the Panthers did not negotiate a salary for him or new contract for him last year as he was already heading into the fifth-year option. The year prior to that, when he decided to exercise fifth-year option, did not come up with a deal that right before the season started, there was discussions about Brian Burns getting a new deal from the Carolina Panthers. He came out like a gangbuster to start off that game against the Falcons. And then the rest of the season was fairly disappointing for a guy who had been a back-to-back Pro Bowler at 12 and a half sacks a year prior, only had eight sacks this season. But still, he provided way more as far as an edge rusher than anyone else on the team this past season. You have to wonder, too, had Shaq Thompson been healthy, maybe Frankie Louvu is in a position to be more of an edge rusher, playing more on ball than the off-ball linebacker spot he had to play in the absence of Thompson this past season. Either way, Brian Burns is the Carolina Panthers' best edge rusher. And when you look at the other guys on the roster heading into 2024, you have DJ Johnson who I assume will be back again next season, assuming that Jero Vero is going to stay here in Carolina. We're still waiting on really the a firm news that that's going to happen, but Dave Canales was glowing about him last Thursday morning, wants him back here, expects him to be back here. Does not necessarily mean that he will be back, but I do think Jero Vero will be back here in Carolina. DJ Johnson, that's the guy that he wanted. Let's see if DJ Johnson, who's going to be 26 at some point next season, can ascend into a player who can help out Brian Burns. Amari Barno heading into his third year with a third coaching staff. I don't imagine he is a strong candidate to stay on the roster, but we'll see. Eku Liotta, the undrafted free agent out of Auburn last year, did impress in certain spots. It's good to also have a Jero Vero back if that's actually going to happen for him and I guess for Barno as well. But I do think Leota may have a chance to make the roster this upcoming season. But those are the other three edge rushers on the team, not counting Brian Burns. And then you can kind of count Frankie Louvu as well. But he also is a free agent. The Panthers, I've talked about, didn't have a lot of leverage when it came to Brian Burns. They had a chance to trade him to Los Angeles for two first-round picks and a third-round pick. They didn't do that. They had a chance to trade him last year when they traded up to get Bryce Young at number one overall, and they gave up DJ Moore. They had a chance potentially to make a deal at the deadline this past year, even though it didn't really seem like they were all that interested. His value, as far as the market goes, is a lot lower now than it was back at the trade deadline in 2022, and the Rams are trying to give up those picks, the Carolina Panthers sorely could use heading into the 2024 draft. But you have to think about it, though. His negotiator, that was Scott Fitter, and I guess Samir Suleiman as well. Those two guys are gone. Now Dan Morgan steps into the seat as the general manager. You got Brant Tillis now stepping in as lead negotiator when it comes to contracts in Carolina. Whole different ball game. Those two guys weren't here making those decisions. Now, Morgan was here, but Tillis wasn't here, and Morgan wasn't in the seat really sitting there having all these negotiations with Brian Burns. He was handling scouting. He was not handling player contracts and negotiating with the agent. This feels like a brand-new relationship that's having to start here in Carolina between Brian Burns' camp and Brant Tillis and in somewhat of a way with Dan Morgan. It will be interesting to see 
if there still is that leverage that I perceive Brian Burns to have over the course of really the last year plus here in Carolina. It's still a fact that the Panthers were last in sacks this past season. They were last in pressure percentage. And again, you have DJ Johnson, Amari Barno, Ekuliota. That's the only other edge rushers out there as their primary role on the team. Those three did not get it done last year. They had a grand total of zero sacks. Brian Burns did not have big-time sack numbers. His pressure numbers were better than what you would expect it from this past year. He did admit at locker cleanout day that he did not necessarily play at the same level in the past was because he was thinking in the back of his head about the injuries, the guys like Shaq Thompson and J.C. Horn at the beginning of the season. Totally understood. It's only human nature, especially for somebody who's trying to get life-changing money for himself and his family. But Burns didn't play up to the standard that a lot of fans have for him. I still do believe that Brian Burns is a very good player. I still think that he is worth paying a lot of money. Is he worth $27, $30 million? I wouldn't say that. But is he worth the same kind of deal Bradley Chubb or Max Crosby got? Absolutely. I want the Carolina Panthers to make that deal. And they they really need to make that deal because they can't let him walk. They're going to have to at least tag him and then trade him. He cannot walk for nothing. So you got to tag him and then trade him to be able to open up that cap space and also get some assets. But that's going to slow down your process of building your team, which is why I think it's really important for a player that you need to go ahead, get a deal done that makes sense for both parties, and then move on, get some cap space, and be able to make some other moves throughout free agency. You don't want to get to the start of free agency, have a $21 million almost $22 million cap number, have only six and a half or so million to work with and have to wait to move Brian Burns off of your books via trade before you can really make any sort of big-time contract decisions as far as signing players in free agency. You don't want that tying you up when you're in free agency. So that's one of the first decisions. I think the absolute first decision that Brant Tillis now needs to make here in Carolina as he looks at the salary cap and what the Carolina Panthers need to do heading into free agency. It's not just Brian Burns who would have a significant cap number. You got two offensive linemen who have had their deals restructured the last couple of seasons, who you probably want to keep around, but you also need to figure out a way to get their cat numbers down. We'll talk about those two here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Whenever the game clock stops, that's time to order in with DoorDash. Order pizza, wings, soda, burgers, or even just buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Score football seasons, best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. Stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win. And with Super Bowl Sunday coming up this week, you got to hit up DoorDash. So many great places in Charlotte. One of my favorites is Hawthorne Pizza, and I'm probably going to hit them up for my Super Bowl party this Sunday coming up. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. 
passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. The Carolina Panthers are projected to have $28.5 million in salary cap space when the new league year begins next month in March, and they have plenty of decisions to make before they get to that point. And one of those, we just talked about Brian Burns. He is projected to have a $21.9 million franchise tag if the Panthers decide to go that route, and that is a route the Carolina Panthers may not want to go, as again, $28.5 million of salary cap space projected heading into 2024 with the new league year starting up in a couple of weeks. So another contract decision, salary cap decision, the Carolina Panthers need to figure out. Two of them, really. And I want to do a little series here in the coming shows, maybe this week, maybe next week, probably this week, I think, just talking about the offensive line and how to fix the offensive line. As I look at that as, of course, something that is paramount this offseason. I did an episode last month talking about Ike Aquanu and the left tackle problem and whether he really is a problem. So talk about that. You can go back and look at the show on YouTube. You can go back and look in your archives with the podcast. So I want to continue that series of fixing the Panthers offensive line. And one of the parts that I want to talk about probably on the next episode of that is how to handle Taylor Moten and Austin Corbett's contracts this upcoming offseason or this offseason currently right now. So this is a little bit of abbreviated version of what I want to talk about at length, maybe even on tomorrow's show. But Taylor Moten going into the 2024 year, he is going to have a $29.7 million cap hit. That is enormous. The Carolina Panthers have $28.5 million of salary cap space, and he's taking up 29.7 of the just salary cap overall. Like That is a ton of money that Taylor Moten's taking up as far as his cap number is. Now, here's the deal. And this is one of the issues that I really have with Scott Fitter the last couple off seasons where the Panthers were always restructuring money, kicking the can down the road, and then building a team that was only topping out at five, seven, then two wins. He wasn't building a winner, but yet now you're seeing situations where you have cap hits like this for a player who is excellent and reliable in Taylor Moten, but that's still way too much money in yet another thing you got to figure out this offseason. The Panthers extended Moten prior to the 2021 season, and the past two offseasons have restructured his deal in 2022 and in 2023. This offseason, if they want to do a restructure, looking at overthecap.com, that will free up $8 million, and that is obviously some money the Carolina Panthers could use and it may be necessary if they're not able to come to terms with Brian Burns they're gonna and I would think even if they're able to come to terms with Brian Burns and avoid having that big kind of cap hit of 21.9 million dollars you still would want to find a way to lower the number for Taylor Moten I do not think that they can cut him he's just too good of a player we're gonna sit here and talk all about trying to help Bryce Young this offseason when it comes to wide receivers and the offensive line you don't help Bryce Young by taking away his only reliable offensive lineman Iki Aquanu we'll figure out what the deal's gonna be there at left tackle we'll see what happens at the guard spots um, with you know whether it's Iki goes to the guard spot or it's gonna be uh, 
Bradley, not Bradley Bozen playing guard, but maybe maybe Bradley Bozen plays guard. I don't think that would be the case. Uh, but Brady Christensen, there's plenty of questions at the other four spots on the offensive line. There really should not be much of a question at all at right tackle other than, okay, how do we get Taylor Moten's contract or his cap number to be lower than the $29.7 million it currently is? And a very easy way to do that is a restructure. But do you want to keep kicking the can down the road? Do you maybe just of a renegotiated deal that still pays him a lot of money and gets a cap number down. Those are some of the things that Brant Tillis needs to figure out, in my mind, as they approach free agency and a new league year in a couple of weeks heading into March. The other piece of it, too, on the offensive line, it's not just Taylor Moten. Moten's got to stay in Carolina. I just don't see how you let that man go when the other tackles on the roster were not even good enough to ever replace Icky Aquanu last season. People yelled constantly about, hey, got to replace Icky, get moving the guard. Well, there's nobody else. So there's nobody to replace Icky at left tackle. There damn sure isn't anybody to replace Taylor Moten at right tackle right now. And it's not like the tackle market is so surefire that you're going to get someone to step in here and to give you the same production and consistency and reliability as Taylor Moten. That's been one of the biggest problems on the O-line is the fact that these guys just aren't healthy. For as poorly as Icky played last year, at least he was out there. And he's been healthy the first two seasons. And, of course, hopefully moving forward, knock on wood, he'll continue to be healthy. You could not say that about your guards last season. Your center was out there healthy, but you've had issues with your centers in the past. Elfline going down for, with a season-ending injury. Matt Paradis. And it, even outside of that, the guards in the past and the tackles in the past could not be relied upon. Like Taylor Moten, you can rely on him. You just got to figure out a way to not have him taking up $29.7 million in salary cap. That's something that Brantillis certainly needs to figure out. I also think he needs to figure out Austin Corbett and what to do there. And this is one of those deals where I wanted to see who's going to come in here and be the GM and who would handle the salary cap and player contracts before really having a strong opinion on this. Austin Corbett has a $10.1 million cap number in 2024. It's the fifth highest cap number on the Panthers roster. He's coming off of back-to-back knee surgeries. Last year was an ACL. This past season, it was an MCL. He's going to be rehabbing once again. Now, MCL is not nearly as significant as an ACL, but it is in the same knee, and this is back-to-back year that a player who, when healthy, is phenomenal for you. Did not play well this year in those four games that he played, and that's because he was coming off of a significant knee injury that cost him the first six games of the season, all of training camp, all of the offseason program. He hadn't really been in playing shape. He was trying to work his way back, and no matter how much time you give him, it's going to take some time for somebody to get right back to who they were. And I even had he been able to stay healthy all last season, at least when he came back after the bye, I was not expecting to see the same Austin Corbett that we saw in 2022. I was expecting to see exactly what we saw. But unfortunately, we saw a Austin Corbett who got banged up. Now, one of the stranger moves the Panthers made last offseason was restructuring Austin Corbett's deal towards ACL. You have drafted guy you had drafted Cade Mays the year prior. They had drafted Deontay Brown in the past, who's still sticking around as a practice squad guy. And then they went on in the fourth round to then draft Chandler Zavala. And you have Brady Christensen already, who you could potentially move to right guard. They had options at guard. Now, we have seen since then with the past season and the injuries to Christensen and to Corbett that the options are terrible. But they had options, no less, that they could have gone with instead of restructuring Austin Corbett and giving him some more money and then 
making his cap number a little bit higher this season, especially when you think that last year they did that to open up some cap space. And Scott Fitter built a roster that went 2-15, and 15, the first 2-15 and 15 team in the history of the NFL. Bad decision there. Corbett again, $10.1 million. Uh, that's his cap number this year. Back-to-back knee surgeries. If they want to restructure again, they could clear up $3.4 million, which feels like something that they got to consider. But is he going to be healthy enough? Is he going to give you the kind of production that's worth opening up that kind of money for him? And it's not that big of a number, but is it worth doing that for him to come back and be your starting guard? I look at the right side. When healthy, there's no concern about Corbett and about Moten. You're, you're solid there. I just wonder, though, is that the right decision for the Carolina Panthers with a man coming off of back-to-back knee surgeries, new contract negotiator, and a new general manager who, yes, was here, but was not the head guy last year? That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Brant Tillis certainly needs to figure out the contract situation, salary cap numbers for Taylor Moten and Austin Corbett heading into the new league year next month in March. What about Derek Brown? He's set to play on the fifth-year option. What about Derek Brown? What do you do with him? We'll talk about it here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seats on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And what I love most about the Super Bowl, well, it's the game, y'all. The commercials, that's great. The food, obviously, is tasty. But what I love most is the matchup on Sunday between the Chiefs and the Niners and actually watching the game. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Carolina Panthers' new executive vice president of football operations, Brent Tillis, has some big decisions to make as Carolina Panthers approach free agency. What are you going to do with Brian Burns? What are you going to do with Austin Corbett and with Taylor Boten as they have two big cap hits heading into the 2024 new league year? And what are you going to do with Derek Brown, who's coming off of a career year in his first ever Pro Bowl? I did tune into the Pro Bowl games on Sunday. Did not watch him last year when they changed up the format, but did watch him on Sunday and Pretty, pretty entertaining. A lot better than what it used to be, especially it's kind of it's hard to play football, you know, a, an actual real football game. Um, when guys don't want to get hurt, you can't really play at 50%. Um, but it was cool to see how they've changed things up. Of course, the Mannings, they're involved in everything. I enjoyed it. Really liked the Pro Bowl games. Like, like Derek Brown had a great uh, day as well, just doing some of the other stuff associated with the actual flag game. So cool to see that and excited for uh, DB and see what he could do potentially here long-term in Carolina if he's going to be here long-term in Carolina. Derek Brown set an NFL record for tackles by a defensive lineman in 2023. He was a first-time Pro Bowler, and he's currently set to play on the fifth-year option with an $11.6 million cap hit. This is one of those deals where he's absolutely deserving of that contract, that money. The last two years, he has been outstanding. He's an invaluable player. When you look at the Panthers' defensive line, they struggled mightily against the run. I believe, according to uh, EPA, expected points added, they were last in the NFL against the run the first six weeks of the season. They gave up 130-plus to every single team that they played, got a little bit better 
in the second half of the season post by, but still at times really struggled to stop the run. I think back to the Green Bay game, couldn't stop Aaron Jones in that first quarter really throughout the game. They struggled. And outside of Derrick Brown on that defensive line, much like outside of Brian Burns at outside linebacker, not too many options. Shy Tuttle came in last year, didn't have much of an impact. Sean Williams, same case. Some guys like Nick Thurman had to step up. You did not get consistent play from the rest of your defensive linemen last season outside of Derrick Brown, which makes him all that more valuable here in Carolina moving forward. And I understand that this league is all about the quarterbacks. That's what everyone focuses on, but don't get it twisted. Football is a line of scrimmage game. If you cannot win up front, you cannot win games. The Panthers lost a ton of games this year because they stunk at protecting Bryce Young and running the football. The offensive line wasn't healthy. That did not help out, but they did not perform well enough. You can talk about Bryce, you can talk about the receivers all you want, but the O-line, first and foremost, was terrible, and you are doomed in the NFL with a bad offensive line, which has been a recurring issue here in Carolina for the last five, six, seven years, really, since they haven't the last time we went to the playoffs. That was the last time they had a healthy offensive line, a solid offensive line. Since then, it's just been this mess for the most part. So until they fix that, it could be really hard to win. Defensive line, kind of the same case. If you can't stop the run, you can't get after the passer, last in sacks, one of the worst teams against the run this past season, you're not going to have success. So those players are so important. Quarterback's important, yes. Wide receiver's important, yes. Corners are important, yes. The guys up front, don't forget about them at all. And the Carolina Panthers need to prioritize Derrick Brown moving forward as he is someone who can be a building block as they continue to build around Bryce Young. You cannot just completely sacrifice what's on the defensive side of the ball just to get some players for Bryce. Yes, points and all of that scoring actually matters. It's, a, it's way more fun to watch that than to watch a team that can't score, but you have a great defense or a solid defense like the Carolina Panthers have. I totally understand that. But getting rid of a guy like Derrick Brown just to get Bryce Young a wide receiver, okay, that's cool, but it can, you can be able to stop the running. You can be able to get to the passer, or you're just going to get ran over every single Sunday. Derek Brown is somebody that needs to be a priority here in Carolina. Now, looking at spot track, his market value is three years, $35 million, an average of $11.7 million per year. That's what they're saying, but I do not think that is actually what he's going to get. He should be getting way more than that. I'm just looking at some of the top free agent or top defensive tackles and what they got. Like, Quentin Williams is the highest-paid defensive tackle in the NFL. He has a $96 million contract, $66 million uh, practically guaranteed, but 47 guaranteed at signing. Aaron Donald, $95 million, 46 and a half guaranteed at signing. Jeffrey Simmons, $94 million, 47.8 guaranteed at signing. Daron Payne, $90 million, 55 million guaranteed at signing. Dexter Lawrence, $87.5 million, 46.5 million uh, guaranteed at signing. DeForest Buckner, $84 million, 39.3 guaranteed. Javon Hargrave, 84. There's some big... Jonathan Allen, $72 million. Vita Vea, $71 million. Vita Vea is pretty similar to Derek Brown as being a run stopper more than somebody who's going to get after the passer. If Vita Vea is getting 71 mil and he's an outstanding player and Ed Oliver got 68 mil, I'm thinking Derek Brown's probably going to be in that range and maybe even a little bit higher. And if you want to open up some cap space, you want to start planning for the future. I would think that now would be a great time to facilitate that deal. Look at the last couple of seasons. The Panthers were smart when it came to DJ Moore. They had him going on to play the fifth-year option the upcoming season. They decided, let's not even wait. Let's go ahead. 
get that deal done with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and have our number one receiver locked up. They took care of Dante Jackson. Now he's a free agent, but they still took care of him. And now looking out with Brian Burns, they didn't sign him ahead of that year where he was heading into, which was last season, that year heading into his uh, fifth-year option. They didn't sign him. And then when they got closer to the year, they didn't get it done. That's Now we're sitting here talking about him having a massive cap number if they have to franchise tag him and also not necessarily getting as much that you would like in a trade if you do end up having to tag and trade Brian Burns. You could have avoided that had you signed him earlier. And the longer you wait, the potential that these guys play better. And Brian Burns, they didn't take care of him before. He played great. And then it's like, oh, crap. Now what are we going to do here? Couldn't get a deal done, and we're still wondering what the deal is going to be there. Derek Brown, been excellent back-to-back seasons. Do you want to play this game where he goes out there, has another outstanding year, and then you're sitting there having to figure out how to pay him next year? I just think that's a decision that Brant Tillis should try to figure out where you can lower his cap number this season, you can pay him a ton of money, and you're going to feel good about that player being consistent, which he has been, and being excellent and being a building block on the defensive side of the ball for you. So I don't know if the Panthers want to play the same game. It's a new negotiator with Brant Tillis. It's a new general manager with Dan Morgan. It's just I've seen with Brian Burns that they waited, and now we're sitting here wondering what the deal is going to be. So Derek Brown potentially extending him. That's something that Brant Tillis should absolutely think about doing this offseason. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Friday I'll be back to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Tuesday.